This morning, we're going to take a look at the last slide of my last week's. I'm assuming that's why there's people in the building today. I said it's Christians and government, um, and I had a picture of Zuma laughing, which is the one that we see so often in a lot of things. And um, I wanted to speak about that. And you say, how is that a soul detox? It's a good question. I had to try really hard to work it into the the series. (laughs) But this is how. Despair. Soul detox. Now we're looking inside of ourselves and we're saying, is there something here that we can get rid of? Something else. We know what a natural physical detox is to take out all the the stuff that's accumulated in your body that isn't healthy and that sort of thing. You drink gross green milkshakes and all that sort of thing. But spiritually, we shine a light, we look, we say, God, is this me or isn't it me? And if it's not me, praise the Lord. And if there is some of this in me, God, can you help me? That's the bottom line of what we're taking a look at. And so this thing of despair is quite a... Oh, it's quite a difficult thing because I feel like it's a bit of a downer. If I had to be honest, you know, despair sounds very dreary. It sounds like you're in a prison cell. It sounds like it's dank and musty and it's horrible. It's a horrible space to be. And um, despair, we often think, is reserved for people who have sort of a chemical imbalance, uh, who are emotionally unstable. You know, oh, those people are full of despair. But actually, despair has a very common meaning, and and take a look at it, because despair is the loss or absence of hope. That's all it is. So it's not something that's reserved for specially depressed people or something like that. Despair is something we can absolutely all experience. And I think a lot of the time when we look at the state of the nation, if I can call it that, If we had to be honest with ourselves, there's a sense of despair that can often come over us. There's a sense of hopelessness. There's a sense of, what's happening? Where are we going to go from here? What now? What's going to improve the situation here? So it's not limited to people who have the imbalance. I, I really believe it's something that affects all of us. The fact is that we all have times that we feel that sense of hopelessness. But here's the thing that most of us do. We just change the channel in our minds. Because when things become a little bit too difficult to process, when despair is just a little bit too much for us, when it seems a little bit too hopeless, we can change the channel and watch something that makes us laugh. We can put on Modern Family. We can uh, watch anything else that just, you know, takes our mind off this because we know This isn't going to change. So if I keep on looking at this, I'm going to become a despairing person. So I change the channel and start to look at other things. That's the reality of the way most of us look at things. And we can carry on and we can cope with life. Now, to to give you an example of that, I want to put some stuff on the screen in a second. Uh, And it's stuff that's really featured in our economy and in in our country of late. And, and I know that when I was a teenager, I'm just looking at the, uh, the green sleeves here. And when I was in school, anything that even when someone mentioned politics, that was my cue to fall asleep. Um, it just was. That's the way that I, I was, and in a lot of ways of the way that I still am. Um, I pay a little bit more attention now because I need to. Um, but I want to encourage you, everyone here, it's not about whether you're political or not political. What I'm speaking about is a difficult thing to speak about, quite honestly. It's difficult to, in 30 minutes, give you something that you can hang 
uh, your actions onto in terms of Christians and how we should respond to our government. Um, it's very easy to be extremely superficial about this, and can I tell you, it's very easy to be extremely deep and theological about this as well. So it's quite difficult to find a middle ground, but I'm praying and I'm trusting that we can do that, and uh, that at the end of this morning, we can find that we are helped, that we've got actual practical steps that we can take and uh, a way of thinking that can help us uh, in being governed in the country that we're in. So, in the beginning, God ordained government to protect and preserve people. These are the things that he, that he instituted in, in bringing governments in, protection of life and property. That's what a government should do. Repression of evil and uh, crime. Repression of evil and crime. Keeping crime and those sorts of things at bay or punishing them. And rewarding of virtue and good. Rewarding for people who do good and who uh, uh, adhere to the system as it is. That's what a government should have been. But I think a lot of us will realize looking around, and you don't need to look far. You can look and idealize and think Australia or New Zealand or the UK or, or somewhere has got it better. But there is no perfect government system. It just doesn't exist. You can run to a better one, possibly, or a more established one, one that's been around longer. But you aren't going to find a perfect system. You are not going to find a church that you can slot into and say, this church just ticks all the boxes for me. If you are someone who's looking for that church, you will not find it. You certainly won't find it here because sooner or later someone's going to say something and you're going to go, what? Or they're going to preach something and you're not quite sure about that or someone's going to greet you in a certain way. There's going to be something that you disagree with and it's the same with governments. There is no perfect government. We need to understand that going into this. Having said that, there's numerous things in our own government that cause us to lose hope in the system that we're under. These are the things that cause us very often to change the channel in our minds and sometimes literally on TV. These are some of the systems that we find ourselves living in and we say, does this work? Doesn't this work? Why are we adopting this? Why are we doing these things? Uh, Outcomes-based education, ETOLs, BEE, there's a lot of other things. I'll just leave those on there for now. Relationships. Now, some of you will go, I have no idea who these people are. Okay, that's fine. That's not a problem. Okay, what I'm telling you is that there are relationships at high levels that are questionable. And you might look at those things. Now, that's not to say that any other government before that didn't have these problems. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I just happen to be talking about the government we're under right now. So we've got these things. And we've got the Guptas, and we've got Nene, watch me whip, and we've got <laughs> Franzman over there. Okay, those are just some of the, I mean, these are just a couple that are, if you go through News 24 right now, you're going to see these names. Okay? Then, of course, you get different things. I want to read this. This is a little bit old now, but I think it speaks to something that is in the way we are. We give you Anin Boysen, 17. There will be a day, a day when the gang rape disembowelment and murder of a 17-year-old girl would actually result in more than 15 minutes of public outrage 
and the usual lip service from the authorities. That day should be today. Now, we look at that, and, and now that happened a few years ago. But that is the general response to crime today. It gets a massive thing. We can look at the stuff that happened here in Utenag with that teacher. And, and, and we look at the way things unfolded there, and then we find out all sorts of other things. And you, and, and you know what? It gets the spotlight for what? A couple of days? After that, listen, there's so much other stuff. If you have to keep on holding on to every difficult thing to swallow, you're going to be holding on to a lot. And so it just gets enough fame to get people stirred up but not to actually really do too much. Then, of course, oh, I've missed it. Let me see if it's somewhere here. It's not. How distressing. Oh, there. Was anyone around for New Year's on the beach? There I am there. I'm kidding. I'm joking. But last year, I actually was on the beach for New Year's. True story. Um, so, this is some stuff that's in the headlines as well. Stuff in our country that just makes you go, this is too much. I'm going to change the channel. I'm turning this off. I can't deal with too much of this kind of stuff. I feel like there was one more. All right. And um, that's fine. Let's move on. Because here's the thing. When you see these, and you know that they're just a fraction of the crime and corruption and poor decisions and self-serving that we are very used to seeing, they normally lead to anger and injustice. And if you wait a few minutes, that anger will usually lead to the sense of hopelessness as you realize that there's not a whole lot that you can do about it. And we move on. That's the reality of the state that we live in. What can you actually do? As a Christian citizen of this country, what are you allowed to do? What does the Bible say it's okay to do? What is your response to these things? We know that there are a lot of possible responses to these things. Gareth Cliff had a possible response to these things. And he was, of course, fired almost immediately. Um, there's different ways you can respond and react to what you see in the news. What are the biblical guidelines as to how we can respond? The Bible does have stuff to say. And I'm going to give you your choices now. Maybe you can find a, a plan D, but these are the A, B, and C choices that I can see as for our response to what we're seeing in this country. That's number one. You can stick your head in the sand. Pretend everything's okay and none of this affects you. I'll be very honest with you, that is what I'm talking about. When I was in school, that would have been my response straight away. It would just be like, you know what, this is a grown-up thing, this is an adult thing, I'm not concerned about this. If it affects me, then I'll deal with it. If it doesn't directly affect me, then, you know, so be it, such is life. So that's one possible option that you can take. Another is this, keep calm and leave South Africa. That's an option. It's not a problem. You can do that. We've got lots of close friends and family who have done that for various reasons, um, for the safety and the crime and the education and various other things that have gone overseas and they've made a life for themselves and some of them have come back. That's a very, it's, it's, it's a very viable option. Their hope in this country, that despair, just became a little bit too much. They didn't know what to do and that was the answer that they came to. So, that's one of the options. 
But let me say this, if that's something you're considering, then the main thing you need to take into account is has God said clearly that you should go? If he hasn't, don't go. You will be making a mistake. You can make a decision like that out of convenience, out of safety, out of, I know that the pastures are greener on that side. Well, you know, for some people, it's the right thing to do. But unless you are very clear that God has spoken to you and said, this is where you need to be, I wouldn't even entertain the thought. And I don't entertain the thought. Because there is a reason people are born in certain places. It's not accidental. It's not random. It's not fluke. It's not anything like that. You are born in this country or you have come to this country for a very clear purpose and a reason. God has an overarching plan and he's not forgotten you or not thought about you or just thought, Ugh, it doesn't actually matter where you go. You go do something anywhere. But he's got a plan for you. He's got a sphere of influence for you. He's got people he wants you to reach out to. He's got people for himself to bring into his kingdom that he wants you to be a part of their process and their journey. And so be very clear if you find that option, option B as an option, that it's God that's telling you. The third option, and this is the option a lot of us find ourselves in, some of us because it's actually too expensive to go anywhere else, and some of us because we've chosen that no matter what happens, we are here. We will stay here. We will connect here. We will grow here. We will invest here. We will raise our children here. And for those of us who have decided, that's really the third option. Proudly South African. So what I want to do with the rest of our time together is this. Show you what the Bible says about government and authority. Because whether you've chosen to stay here or you cannot afford to go anywhere else, you're here. This is where you find yourself. This is the government and the authority where, where we need to find a place and our voice and all these things about what's it like to be a Christian in this circumstance. And so I'm hoping, I'm going to read two passages of Scripture, and I'm telling you now, you're not going to like them. So just prepare your hearts, okay? Any resentment that starts to build up, just listen to the message from last week. Just deal with it very quickly. Uh, you don't even have to tell me that you've got resentment. It's not a problem. But these passages are difficult to swallow. <coughs> but I'm going to go through them because these are the key. There's a, there's a few, but I'm choosing two of the key passages that the Bible speaks to about this thing of submitting or, or, or being under government authorities. Are you ready? All right. Let's read through this. First one comes from Romans chapter 13 and verses 1 to 7. Now we know Paul's writing to the Romans. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. Oh, gosh. I told you you weren't going to like it. So everyone who likes the government must submit to governing authorities, right? We can add that in there. We can call it the message or something. I don't know. Everyone, no, I'm just kidding. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what's right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants, sent for your good, 
But if you're doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They're God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what's wrong. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Pay your taxes, too. For these same reasons, for a clear conscience and to avoid punishment. For government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Anyone else got a dry mouth right about now? People logging onto their Facebook and deleting certain posts. Well, that's the reality. This is what the Bible says. I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm giving you Paul's writing which we consider to be the Word of God, to Christians who are under authority. Is he talking about people who are under Christian authority? He's not. I wish he were. Is he talking about people who govern diligently and in a godly manner? He's not. The authority that Paul himself was under was cruel. It was difficult. They completely overtaxed people. All they said to the tax collectors was, we want this much. However much you want to get over and above that, that's your issue. So taxes were not an easy thing for people. There there was abuse of all kinds in the government system at that time. He's not talking about some ideal structure that it's easy to submit to. I just want to make that absolutely clear. And I'm going to read one more passage now, and it comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12 to 17. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior, and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right, similar to the previous passage. It is in God's will, sorry, it is God's will that your Honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. Fear God and honor the king. These are not easy things to swallow. I did say that. Go home. If you've got something and you've got a way or a a system of studying scriptures, I want to encourage you to go ahead and do that. I'm not pulling anything out of any kind of context or, or, or trying to set an agenda here. I'm not for or against any kind of political party. It's got nothing to do with that. The Word of God says submit. Not who, who should submit? Everyone. To which authority? The governing authority. This is a difficult thing. So, both of these passages are crystal clear in terms of the attitude that we're to have as believers towards the authorities that govern us. Here's the thing. Submit and honor them. Can we submit and honor the government that we are currently under? The obvious question is, what if we're under a corrupt government? I'm afraid the same answer applies. Submit and honor. So, then let's get really technical because maybe we can find a loophole if we're going to defining this a little bit. 
What does it mean to submit to and to honor? Maybe there's something in there that we can use to help us to swallow this better. Okay. Submit and honor means exactly this. To pay your taxes and obey the laws of the land that you are in. That's it. That's what it means to submit to and honor. So if there are laws put in place, we are to obey those laws. And by doing that, we submit to the authority that we're under. It's quite simple. Okay. So there's, there's not, not too much we can really go around there. So these verses actually, and now this is the thing. These verses actually encourage us to be model citizens so that we can live and minister in peace in our land. There is a problem when Christians are the ones rising against a tyrannical government. It's a very strange thing, but you can take a look at the history of this. And what happens is the government clamps down normally on the Christians, on on Christianity. Now, sometimes um, persecution helps the church to grow. But I don't think that's the way we need to institute persecution. Uh, What he's saying is do your best to live at peace with everyone. And by honoring and respecting the government that you're under, you create a peaceful environment for yourself to be able to live, number one, and then to be able to minister, number two. So it's important. They encourage us to be model citizens, not people who can cut corners and see how much tax we can avoid and all these sorts of things. Model citizens. Does that mean we have to like everything they do or obey everything we are told to do? Well, I don't even think the ruling party at any time, liked everything that they did. Let's be honest. There will be people within the party themselves that don't like certain things that are passed. It is not possible to like everything that is done in a country unless you only have one or two brain cells rubbing together in your head. It is just not possible to like everything that is happening because some of the stuff is just so obviously destructive and hurtful and and corrupt and all these sorts of things. So it's not a matter of saying, well, if we're to submit to the authority, we we need to... Be pro those things. No. That's not what the Bible is saying. We don't need to like everything that they do. Or obey everything that we're told to do. In terms of obeying them, here's the thing. We are always to submit to, but not always to obey the authorities that govern us. Now, I need to clarify this. Please don't switch off after that line and then use that as some justification. You need to hear the next part of what I'm saying. If our governing authority commands us to participate in activities that go against God's laws, we are to obey the higher authority. Okay. So I'm giving it to you as clearly and as plainly as as I can see it in the Word of God. We are to submit to them. As soon as that contradicts the Word of God, so a lot of us are probably thinking about extreme circumstances like Nazi Germany or those sorts of things or under Stalin or whatever, where, where you may have been asked to do something or forced to do something in some cases that was very directly against what the Word of God has said is okay to do. Well, in such circumstances, it is our duty as Christians to stand for the higher authority. And not just that, to receive the punishment that goes along with that. Not easy, but that's what we're called to do. And we see that time and time again with the apostles who stood against things that they were not allowed to do or, or, or were asked, being asked to do or asked not to do, such as preach or minister. I don't know if you remember that. There was an occasion, and he said, Who am I to honor, you or God? 
and they, and they whipped him 40 times. There's 40 lashes. So you get the punishment for doing that, but that's part of, part of what it costs. So let's see where we are. Oh, we can see this. Oh, there's a couple of, of um, examples that I thought of just in the Bible, obvious ones. The Hebrews, for example, the Hebrew midwives that refused Pharaoh's command to kill children. They said, this is what God says. We've got the law. It's quite clear. We, we're, not, we're not to murder. And you, you're asking us to murder babies. So they refused outright to do that. We see that in Exodus 1, verses 15 to 21. And then, as I mentioned, this example, Peter refused to obey the authorities when they commanded him to stop preaching after Christ had commanded him to preach. And he said, it's not really a choice for me. There's a higher authority here that I need to honor before I honor yours. And he was taken to task for it, but... That's how it went. So as Christians, what should our response be when our circumstances cause us to lose hope and despair? So when you're looking around, when you're reading News 24, when you're watching Al Jazeera or or ENSCA or whatever the local one is that's so terrible, um, whatever you're watching or SABC News and things are causing you to despair, what should our response be? Now, a lot of people would say, Be active. Be politically active. I don't think we have a lot of political activists nowadays. I think that a lot of the times the marches and the physical things that people do, there is a little bit of that. But I think largely people are activists via social media. That's the way that most people will now voice their opinions about things. And and, and we see that all over the show. That's how they get their agendas out. Uh, And how does this affect our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram conversations. It's good to know. Anyone seen that lately? People are politically active, but in quite a different way to the way that they were before. And this way actually does get results a lot of the time as well. There's, of course, online petitions and things that go along with that. But, but the question I think we need to ask ourselves is this. Does it matter how I speak about those in authority over me? Or doesn't it? Because if it doesn't, well, then I must just speak. And then I can use any platform I want. But If it does matter what I say about people above me, then there's something I need to do. And the answer to that question is absolutely. It matters what you say about people who are in authority over you. That goes for every circumstance in your life. Um, It could be a teacher or a parent or a boss or whatever. But for the purposes of today, we're looking at government structures. And so it absolutely does matter how you speak about the people in authority over you. And this is what I want to say about that. Have a filter over your words. And the filter must be this. Am I speaking against injustice? Because especially in a democracy as young as ours, as fragile as ours, as weak as ours, there are so many cards that get played very, very quickly. And we know that. We know that it's the race card and the nepotism and the education and the this and that. Those things get played very, very quickly. But you know what? Those things are divisive, if that's the right way to say it. They divide. Those are unhelpful. Those are hurtful. Those are breaking down things. 
But as Christians, that's not what we're called to say. There's your filter. Am I speaking against injustice? Because we saw that Jesus himself did that. We've seen some of the the, uh, disciples did that as well. They spoke against injustice, but it wasn't a race thing. They spoke about injustice, but it wasn't a culture thing. They spoke about injustice, but it wasn't a heritage thing or something that they've inherited. I mean, these are Jews who are living in Rome, and there was a lot of racial stuff that definitely could have happened there as well. But, but the problem that they were facing and fighting was not on those levels. It was an injustice thing. And so that's what I'm saying to you. If, does this affect the way that you conduct yourself on social media or around a bright place with a beer in your hand or whatever it might be or, or, or at your school in the break time? It absolutely does. Are you speaking against injustice or are you taking a personal dig at someone or something or some culture or something like that? And if you're taking a personal dig, my advice to you would be be careful because it very clearly goes against what the Word of God says is okay for us as Christians to do. So we need to watch what comes out of this thing on the front of our face. Okay. So... As Christ followers, it is completely unacceptable for us to enter into accusations of a racial nature. Just trying to make it as clear as I can. Okay. If you have something to say, make sure that it is not being built on a foundation of prejudice that you have. And let's be open and honest, we all have a foundation of prejudice. It is not possible for you to have been born in this country up until yesterday and not have some sort of foundation of prejudice some sort of background or history or something that your parents did or knew or said or the way that they dealt with things or the way they talk about the you are going to grow up with a foundation. And the chances are it's not going to be pure and holy and amazing. And so we need to make sure that everything that comes out of here isn't built on top of that foundation. But it's built on top of the foundation of or, or, or even looked at the filter of um, is this injustice that I'm speaking against or is this something more personal? just for the sake of absolute clarity. It is ungodly and cowardly and destructive and actually insults and offends the heart of God directly when we are racist, ageist, or sexist in our thinking and speaking and actions. We need to be a people that are above that sort of thing. We are model citizens. We are dual citizens. We know that. But while we're here... We have to be model citizens. Okay, is this helping? Anyone? <laughs> okay, is anyone going to be here next week? Okay. <laughs> so, you want to know what you're called to do as a Christian in this country. Here's the bottom line. It's actually very simple. Be a model citizen and pray. That's it. And I'm going to give you one more verse quickly. And this is what it says. I urge you, it comes from 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 to 2. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. He's talking to Christians now, okay? He's talking to Timothy, uh, which is uh, coming to us as well. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks to them. So he's talking generally about all people. Pray this way. Oh, here, get specific. For kings... And for all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. So there's your answer. Be a model citizen and pray. That's it. That's it. And when you have to comment, when when, when that sense of, 
of despair, that hopelessness rises up in you when you're reading news articles, when you're seeing people who are posting stuff on Facebook and are sharing you and including you in it. Uh, We need to be people who say, does this go through my filter of injustice or is this someone's personal dig at a certain group or something like that? And if it is, we need to just take ourselves away from that because we don't stand for that as model citizens. The solution to hopelessness is hope. But our hope as Christians is actually not in governments. It can't be because they fail all over the world all the time. It's a man-run institution which was instituted by God. So it's man-run, which means that it will have failings and shortcomings. But our hope isn't in governments and authorities that rule over us. Our hope is in Jesus and what he's done for us. So our hope is a future thing. It's, it's an amazing thing. But you know what that does? It just lets us deal with what we're going through over here. Knowing that over there, that's actually where our hope is. Our hope isn't in the government becoming all Christian. Because let me tell you something, it's not going to happen. And even if it did happen, they would make decisions and you would go, that's not a very Christian thing to do. It's the bottom line. You're not going to win with governments in this day and age. Our hope isn't in them. Our hope's over there. But that's okay. While we're here, we're model citizens and we pray for the people who are in authority. 